I'm Dr. Vanessa Sinclair, and this is Rendering Unconscious. My guest today is Blanche Barton. Blanche Barton moved to San Francisco in 1984 to work directly with Anton LaVey and the Church of Satan. She remained cohort and lover of LaVey until his death in 1997. She was High Priestess of the Church of Satan for 12 years and now is Magistra Templi Rex. She authored the biography of Anton LaVey, The Secret Life of a Satanist, and is here to talk about her new book, We Are Satanists, The History and Future of the Church of Satan. She'll be joining us at Morbid Anatomy Online on Sunday, September 26th to present Dancing in the Graveyard, Death Imagery in Satanism. Joining her that night will be Carl Abrahamson presenting Memento Mori Forever. For more information, you can visit the Psychoanalysis Art and the Occult website, psychartcult.com. Org. That's P-S-Y-C-H-A-R-T-C-U-L-T dot org. Or go directly to Morbid Anatomy's website, morbidanatomy.org slash events. Carl Abrahamson created a film called Anton LaVey, Into the Devil's Den which stars Blanche Barton, as well as High Priest Peter Gilmore and High Priestess Peggy Nadramia. You can watch this film on Vimeo On Demand. Just go to Carl Abrahamson's website, carlabrahamson.com, that's C-A-R-L-A-B-R-A-H-A-M-S-S-O-N.com. Look at the film section and find Anton LaVey into the Devil's Den. Before we begin the interview with Blanche, let's listen to the trailer for the film. Enjoy. You don't know whether he's going to be a you know, pompous asshole or you know, really full of himself, sweep into the room in his long black cape and, you know, here, kiss my ring or something. Well, he was a theatrical person, and so everything he did had that aspect. Suddenly there was this man who looked like the devil, you know, to the popular culture and was talking about Satan as this, this positive role model. Mr. Satan, Church of Satan, boom, that's it. Sex is not the answer to everything, but it's probably the prime mover to a great deal of what we do. Homosexuality, asexuality, bisexuality, transsexuality, not as a tolerance, but as a celebration. The only people that I would cast a curse or a spell on would be people individually that would sort of get under my skin. He codified the way I think many people, probably most people, actually live but won't admit it. Teaching women how to bend men's mind to their will. Owning your power. It's a, it's a great book for teaching women how to manipulate men. 
<laughs> when you went to visit him, you went into his universe, and it was like a parallel universe. Anton LaVey's legacy is everywhere, forever. It, it's, you, you can't unring a bell. You trust me, I trust you. That's the way it has to work. There has to be some trust between people or demons. Lance, thank you so much for being here. And I have just finished your new book and I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm very glad that it's out there um, and people are responding very well, largely, you know, and that's wonderful to see. Yeah, so maybe for our listeners, we could talk a little bit about kind of why you wrote the book now and like the fact that it was the 50 year anniversary of the original Satanic Bible recently and that sort of thing, just kind of put things in context for people. Yeah, well, actually, I've been working on it for a little bit longer, uh, maybe five years or so. Uh, I had uh, rewritten the and expanded the biography that I wrote of Anton LaVey and the uh, other book, the Church of Satan book, the little handbook that I'd written had not been expanded or rewritten for many, many years since it first came out uh, in uh, 1990. And so a lot has happened with us. And as you say, it was the 50th anniversary of the Satanic Bible. It was the 50th anniversary of the organization since 1966. So a lot has gone on. And um, you know, the original book was sort of meant to be a thumbnail sketch of the Church of Satan, sort of something to hand to law enforcement officers, child protective agencies, animal protection agencies, so that they would know when they're inundated with these, you know, sort of alarmist satanic panic um, seminars about, you know, ceramic cats and Dungeons and Dragons and, and, uh, you know, things that presumably were satanic so that we would be able to say, okay, this is what we're about. This is what we do. This is how we practice. This is what we believe. These are our ethics and our focus. And so that they would be better prepared to say, okay, when they're looking at a crime scene or they, they're looking at a perpetrator, how much is this person just making up what they want, you know, in the, in the context of Christianity or, or uh, Muslim beliefs or, or the Easter bunny or Satanism? Uh, and how much are they just, you know, going off uh, what they hear on Oprah Winfrey and Geraldo? Again, these were big influences on the whole satanic panic. And when I wrote it uh, in 1989, 1990, um, those were the influences. It was the heat of the satanic panic right there. And uh, we needed something to kind of bat down all of these. So, um, so it just was time to uh, update it. We've, we've done a lot. Um, you know, our current high priest and high priestess had had come into their own uh, being appointed uh, 2001, 2002 uh, to, the, to their positions. And I think there was a, a, a drive for me to examine since we have been an organization for 50 years, how is Satanism applied over the long term? Is it just a philosophy that okay, you can listen to heavy metal music, you can wear black t-shirts, you can, you can piss off your parents uh, and say you're a Satanist. Is that all it is? Or is the philosophy, um, does it have enough eft? Does it have enough guidance and inspiration to really last someone throughout a lifetime? Because a lot happens in a lifetime. You have to go decide where you want to go to school, if you want to go to a trade or you want to, you know, you, you lose parents, you, you go through breakups, you, you lose pets. 
Um, there's a lot of loss, a lot of change. And how does Satanism guide us or strengthen us or inspire us in the long term? Um, and does it? So, and how do Satanists, real Satanists, apply it? People that had now been second or even third generation Satanists from 1966. Um, is it something that they hold on to? Or do they get to a certain point in their life and they just kind of check it and say, oh, it was fine when I was 15, but I, I need something meatier, I need something else. But no, I, you know, I did, uh, I've, I've been part of the organization for so long that I've been very fortunate to see these people. I mean, a lot of them came in when they were teenagers maybe some of them inspired by Marilyn Manson or heavy metal music or, or uh, you know, not really understanding what the Satanic Bible is all about, but in their quest, in their journeying, and in their maturation, they learned, they researched, they grew, and they benefited from Anton LaVey's clues that he left us you know they started reading jack london or they started listening to opera or they started you know listening to classical music or um so many many writers because he didn't always talk about himself he talked about mark twain he talked about bernard shaw he talked about you know hl mencken and the people that formed him these were breadcrumbs that then he practically raised a new generation that, that were listening to what he had to say. And so I found and I saw these people grow and go into their careers and make their life decisions and stumble and fall and have terrible tragedies happen to them and get back up again and still continue to practice Satanism and embrace it as a, as a path. So that's what I wanted to communicate to people, um, both within and outside of the organization. I think this book is it's just as important for people outside our organization to know who we are, what we value, uh, as it is for, for us to get inspiration from, from the book. And uh, so that people, when they learn that you're a Satanist at work or you know, at the checkout stand at the grocery store or in the library or you know, an officer on the, on the beat or something, when you find out that this person is a Satanist, a lot of people don't know what that means. And hopefully this book will clarify, okay, if you're actually a Satanist, if you practice Satanism as Anton LaVey defined it, described it, and founded it, then this is what we believe and this is how, how we practice. That's great. And that's one of the things that I love that I learned since meeting Carl and you all um, is how much like of a cultural uh, influence there is and how much LaVey like took from these films and music and literature and it's not it's not one dimensional at all it's like this whole kind of cultural scene and mm -hmm. I've learned so much about all these different authors and films like watching the black cat and those kinds of films yeah. and oh, the um, film, they're the all film fantastic noir was so important to him mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah film noir was very formative to him and he loves the anti-hero in film noir of course he loved the the just the aesthetics of it as far as personal dress and style because that again that was his ECI as he called it his erotic crystallization inertia his, his point where he felt vital and young and powerful and, and, and ready to take on the world. And um, so that's the music. And he was a musician, he was an artist, he was a photographer. <clears throat> so to see the world through that lens, through his lens and, and look at the world as an artist, as well as a carny, you know, and learn cold reading and learn simple psychology, basic, you know, less of what we call lesser magic, 
um, is it's all part of Satanism. It's there's so much to unpack and explore that it's enough to last at least one lifetime, if not a few. Yeah, and that's another thing our listeners might really enjoy is that he was really influenced by Freud and Wilhelm Reich and those mm-hmm. kinds of ideas as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. And um, that he he felt that that was, and I and I feel that's one of the revolutions of Satanism, is um, the fact that he understood that there's an interaction. It's like we're learning about the way the earth works you know we're we can't isolate a system out we're all interrelated and interconnected the the forests and the animals and the humans and we all evolve together so we're all so intimately interconnected and the fact that so many people so many times scientists or spiritualists try to break down and parse out and and take away the the material from the spiritual or as i like to think of it sort of this metaphorical poetic part of our brains um and they can't be separated out you know that was what he saw is it's an integration he reconciled uh the irreconcilable you can't you you can do it consciously though that's the point of satanism is that you you start from a rational perspective and then you allow yourself to be engaged fictionally or poetically as well. And that unlocks power within yourself. It's not demons or forces outside yourself. We have a well, a reserve of this momentous energy within us. And we have ways of tapping into that energy that's generated, I mean, yeah, I know I'm talking about the force. But the reason they talk about the force is because we have matured enough to understand a little bit about how the earth energies work and how how we can tap into them within ourselves and, and project them outward for our own gain, for our own clarity, for our own wisdom. And um, he was the one who, who really said, you're missing out on a big part of what being a human is if you don't practice magic, if you don't see these perspectives. And it's a lot of it's basic psychology or psychiatry reshaping your world from the inside out, you know, but you can only do that by true reflection, intense vision and risk. And that's where the, that's where the darkness comes from is uh, Satanism encourages and recognizes us as very dark animals. And you cannot get to what we really are as humans, as animals, unless you're willing to look the demons in the face see who we are as individuals and as a race and, you know, work with that. You know, you can't just deny, say, oh, we're all, you know, sunshine and rainbows and and we're all lightness and and anything other is dark. It's evil. There's no sense in that. There's no logic or reason in that. You can't just other everything because we're all, again, we're all interconnected. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of putting it. Um, uh, yeah, and by ignoring it or pretending otherwise, not pretending we're different than we are, you just end up like splitting these things off and creating more problems than we need to have. <laughs> right? Precisely. Yeah, exactly. So so I'm enthused that um, I hope that people can pick up the book. Um, of course, I'm very pleased that, that Satanists, that our members are, are excited um, because that's who I wrote the book for, because I want to speak to them. And, um, and 
thank them for, for practicing the religion as Anton LaVey uh, conceived of it and how he um, practiced it himself so that, so that they can live a richer and, and, and more fulfilling life. That's, you know, this is, this is your party. Essentially, this is your party. And we don't know what happens afterwards. We don't know what happened before. If there is any before or after, this is what we get. And if it's, if you're not having fun, whose fault is that? You know, you're the, you're the one, you're the, you're driving the bus. So um, just enjoy all you can and, and create and revel and uh, have a good time. Yeah. And I feel like people can understand Satanism from a different perspective now than maybe 50 years ago as well, because of like, well, it actually started kind of when performance art was starting, but people starting mm -hmm. to understand more now since like as gender is performative and kind of identity is performative and how we mm -hmm. can kind of create ourselves uh, in different ways that we imagine. Like he was talking about these things kind of back then and like creating your total environment and kind of living mm -hmm. in a way that you want to live. People can see that more now as like a performance art, or art being life, life being art, magic being art and life as well. Yeah, precisely. But I think it's because he never fancied himself a philosopher. And that's when I, when I read his work, that's what I really appreciated about him. He had a life, he had a gritty life, he had a real life. He was you know, in the circus and in the carny and he was a police photographer and he wasn't speaking from some ivory tower theoretically about Nietzsche and philosophy and you know, whatever terms philosophers put it in. He was speaking about being a human being in a real, real sense. And I trusted that more, you know, and when I found out that he had a great love and respect for animals, he had a great love and respect for children, because they're unadulterated, literally unadulterated by, by uh, imposition of cultural norms and expectations. Um, and just the joy that animals and children can, in, can participate in, and uh, reclaiming that for ourselves. Um, is that's, as you say, that's magical. And it, it should be, it should be uh, championed and, and better understood. It'd be a great world if we all could just tap into that energy and, and look at each other and meet each other where we are and um, work cooperatively. And it's strange for a Satanist to be saying that, but ultimately that's, that's what it's about. You know, it's getting, getting into uh, understanding yourself better so that you can see yourself in the context of civilization. I agree to the social contract to not hurt other people because it's in my best interest. And I expect the same from other people, but people get so blocked by their super ego or their expectations or their guilts or whatever they've been saddled with or they have within them that they can work through given the opportunity and willingness to do the hard work um, things would be so much easier if we would just, just, uh, express those things and get through, get through to ourselves. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people need to be more selfish and, and it's not in a negative way, like being selfish, but like we need to take care of ourselves and in doing that, 
you know, it is what is best for everyone. If everyone really focused on their needs and taking care of themselves instead of this like very Christian idea of like martyring yourself from other people. We know like if you martyr yourself for everyone, like you're not going to have any energy to take care of yourself. Then you're not going to have any energy for anyone either. So if you really just like focus on yourself and what's best for you and everyone did that more, it would be best for everybody (laughs) at the end of the day. Yeah. As long as it's done with the long-term goals in mind, you know, I see most humans as, you know, terribly short-sighted a lot of times. They're very um, immediate gratification oriented. Uh, They can be very cruel. They can be very um, mindless of of the creatures around them. And uh, if you have a wider perspective, a longer-term goals, then you know, you can have. And again, I, I think just being a Satanist, you, you dip your toe into history in a lot of ways. You see things and magic. When you start researching ceremonial magic, um, you see the context in which these various alchemists and magicians and sorcerers and sorceresses worked uh, through the ages. And just that continuum is so interesting to explore and um, kind of see yourself in that historical perspective too. Maybe that helps you uh, see see things in a wider in a wider view. Yeah, I love that part of the book that you started with, kind of looking at history and how it fit in, and and then Levay's influences in art and music and literature and film, and how all of it kind of came together to this moment yeah. that was the event of the Church of Satan kind of coming to fruition. Yeah, yeah, very true. It was it's fascinating to see that in the long term because um, he never wanted his organization or his philosophy to become mainstreamed because when it mainstreams you know you knock off all the all the fun edges you know a lot of times all the all the bits that don't fit get knocked off and everything and he wanted it to remain pure and and uh he didn't want it to be acceptable he never wanted his philosophy to be wide widespread and acceptable but at the same time he understood that especially during the satanic panic Um, As you know from the whole chapter, what we were doing behind the scenes was working with law enforcement, working with the FBI, working with local uh, and national animal protection places, uh, uh, child protective agencies, and so that he could get his influence and knowledge and and what we were really working toward out to the right people. We went with lots of Christians, we met with law enforcement, we met with all kinds of people, but he wasn't going to, you know, say I'm meeting with these people and he didn't certainly didn't need to go on Geraldo and trumpet that that uh, he's not sitting next to, you know, whoever uh, spooky guy who has his his group in his garage down the hall, it's just dignifying them to have Anton LaVey on the same stage with these people. And he didn't wanna do that. So what he did was there were a lot of people uh, who had zines, there were a lot of people working in music and movies and, and younger people that came to him that were interested, truly interested on college campuses and, and in the right places uh, that, that really understood what he had to say. Those were the people he spent time with, not for money. Uh, he, he would talk to them, you know, gratis. Uh, whereas the big, a lot of the, the 
uh, networks were offering him a lot of money to go on their shows just to perform, you know, just to be a dancing bear, essentially. And he said, I don't I don't do that. I'm not going to do that. But I will talk to the people that are valuable, even if their zine may not have a distribution at this time. More than, you know, 5000 people, it's more important that I talk to them and spend time with them than it is to go on some, you know, uh, dog and pony show you know <laughs> on national television yeah absolutely talking to people that are actually listening and wanting to learn and understand instead of just like yeah just doing this show for people that aren't going to really listen to what you're saying anyway and i think that's made a big difference in the culture as you say a lot has changed in the culture and it's not that weird now you know if i if i have my baphomet on and and i go to a grocery store or something a lot of times not you know, they don't know who I am, but they see the Baphomet and they say, I like your necklace or that's really cool. Or yeah, I, and I and I asked them, you know, do you know, do you know what it represents? Yeah, I know. I know. I've read Anton LaVey. I've read, I, you know, and so it's not that weird, especially with the Internet. All of this information, all the websites that are uh, our website, thetutusatan.com is excellent. It's got endless information, thanks to our high priest and high priestess, always adding more news and more articles and more information. We're on all kinds of social media. We've got books, we've got movies, we've got all kinds of information, authentic, real information out there so that anybody who wants to know anything about the Church of Satan or about Satanism, they've got it. They've got endless. And you don't have to go, you know, quivering up with the unholy book to the to the register at, at a bookstore the way we had to and you know feel like all eyes are upon you uh buying this this horrendous blasphemous tome you know like god's going to strike you dead or people are going to sneer at you no you can do it in the comfort of your own living room your own bedroom and, and find out endless amounts of real information and that's that's a good thing yeah and, and cos has the best twitter feed <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much hands down. I think it wins the internet. <laughs> That's good. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. <laughs> um, maybe we should talk a little bit about the satanic panic though, because a lot of listeners are like grad students and students, and they might have been born in the 80s or the early 90s um, and might not really know what that was about or what was happening. And you were really at the heart of it being like at the Black House in the 80s during the height yeah. of the satanic panic. Yeah. Yeah, and again, that's why I wanted it covered uh, in the book because a lot of people may think, "Oh, it couldn't have been that bad." Um, it was bad, but 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 you know, you think, well, maybe it was just on a few talk shows or something. But you see, and I hate to draw the parallel, but the QAnon and and the uh, the conspiracy theories now today are pretty much the same tone, the same uh, level of. Um, eh, of uh like a mass uh, psychosis right it, like. exactly. <laughs> it was it was on that same level where people if you wore black clothes or if you had ceramic cats or if you had stained glass or if you you know anything the devil any sun devils or any sports team that had devil in the name had to change their name uh any anything that was like when the reagans moved out of the white house they they started they their house was number 666 and they had to change it the house that they wanted to move into it had to be changed because he couldn't move into 666 it was just it was it was a mass psychosis and we see it happening again so uh and a lot the same roots too 
the 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 uh, pedophilic satanist drinking the blood of children that was pretty much the same blood libel that was le leveled at the jews that it was leveled at the christians earlier than that um we see it reemerge again and again and again and again and uh so yes it was pervasive it was ridiculous um and you would think when i was going through it i said well we've got more information than we've ever had on this planet before anyone can get information of course now that's you know a thousandfold more the case but uh people just get in their little bubbles and they reinforce each other that's what was happening with the satanic panic um there were sort of cops for christ that had these seminars and they were going around they were getting lots of money to uh, go around to various uh, police departments and give their seminars uh, from a Christian perspective. You, when you go to a crime scene, if there's an inverted pentagram or if there's any kind of Latin involved or if there's any kind of, you know, anything, they, they twisted it, perverted it to be per perceived as a satanic crime or something. And the whole McMartin thing, that was just frightening. Um, but the good thing is that uh, a lot of this has been examined and continues to be examined finally by psychologists, by psychoanalysts, by writers, by responsible journalists. And that's what finally happened to tear it all down. Um, and I have a feeling that, and the doctor felt this way too, is that the um, those who were covering health insurance at the time, they were, they were paying for people's therapy from these unqualified therapists who were feeding this nonsense and feeding this hysteria. Uh, they were paying millions of dollars for people to be uh, not only therapy, but inpatient situations to hospitals. And they finally started investigating on their own, as well as the FBI. Uh, Ken Lanning finally rolled up his sleeves and uh, as did other people in the FBI and tracked down story after story after story, hundreds, probably thousands of man hours of police time, investigators time, uh, looking for bodies that weren't there, looking for stuff. And it, it's drawing away energy and, and monetary resources, funding from other things that they could be doing, you know, really taking care of. So um, it was a farce. It was frightening. Uh, people suffered. They had their children taken away from them. Uh, needlessly, people suffered. Damien Eccles was in on death row for how many how many years? Eighteen years. I just saw yeah. he posted just like Thursday that that was the tenth anniversary of when he had been released. So only ten years ago, he was let out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just and and all because of this hysteria, truly. And it just, you know, sometimes I look at the doctor's work, and he was a a, a misanthropist in so many ways. And sometimes I look and say, well, you know, he was a little harsh and, you know, maybe, maybe people aren't that bad. I meet a lot of wonderful people, open-minded, kind people. And, um, but then you start seeing this kind of nonsense and how frightening it is and how people can turn under the right conditions. And that's what we look at when we think of the, you know, Salem witch trials and, and um, the, the House Un-American Activities Committee and and the, the looking for the commies under the bed and it's um it really is frightening that that is a, a a failing in the human social system that we can become mobs 
and ignite as mobs very easily. Mm -hmm. And we have to be very, very cautious of it. And again, I think Anton LaVey's attitude is very instructive in that we enter into our poetic mind and into the ritual chamber with consciousness, with we suspend our disbelief consciously. We, we call forth demons or the devil or externalized, we use externalizing language um, to evoke it within ourselves, but we never pretend or delude ourselves that, that it's not coming from within us. And that's, you're playing with fire. And a lot of times I tell people, uh, if you truly don't understand magic, don't go into the ritual chamber. If you are not, not, if you have any lingering context for something that you may be conjuring up being evil or attacking you in any way, don't do it, don't play with it because it can be very liberating for someone who's prepared, but it can also be very damaging to someone um, who may imagine themselves as then possessed or um, they have lingering guilt or something that, that can be very harmful. So it's not, and again, this is tying into people who get in these bubbles and self-delude themselves into thinking a certain way or because of peer pressure, because of the bubble they put themselves in, um, thinking along those ways. And because you can very easily start dehumanizing other human beings or animals, um, you can believe, well, like the guy that just killed his children, you know, in Mexico, it's um, because he thought that they were lizard people, you know, and, and he's not alone. There are people that go through that and it is real and they think it's real. Um, and that's why where where vile vile things can happen. Yeah, when people get like worried, uh, I've noticed magical practitioners getting worried that they're not like doing something exactly right, and then it's going to backfire if they like don't say something this many times. And it's like if you have any of that paranoia or something, then it's like yes. don't bother because it right. really should just have an attitude of like, what do I have in the house? I'm just going to put these things together. It doesn't have to be the right exact thing. It's just like just right. whatever works, whatever you have, be easy with it. <laughs> sure, sure, exactly. And, you know, it may be something, especially that's very personal to you. You know, if you're making up an altar or something, include little bits of seashell or, or pine cone or, you know, some, some little sculpture that your, that your father had. You, lo you love it because it was associated with your dad. I mean, it may even have religious context or it may have, you know, some, some silly little frog or something, but it means something to you. That's what Anton LaVey was all about. Is it emotionally significant to you? This is what you're trying to get to is, is you. It's all about, you know, your own specific emotional response. And he had wonderful stories about being in, in uh, ritual chambers with people and um, getting to a certain point where they just roll with it, you know, and, and like an actor or something, they start reciting Shakespeare or they start, you know, summoning up a, a, a poem from their youth that, that is stuck in their brain and they think is appropriate. And that's where the real magic, or when someone's playing music, you know, to a company and uh, the, the ritual and they start just improvising and come up with something and it's, it's just brilliant and it's perfect. Yeah, it's like un unleashing your creative energy everybody has and like, I really like that about 
the emphasis in the book as well and like the emphasis on human ingenuity and creativity and these kinds of qualities that we have. Precisely. That is where our strength comes from. Mm. We can talk about all the bad things about human beings, but we are endlessly adaptable. We're endlessly imaginative. And um, this is where the force of, of innovation and pioneering uh, spirit and, and impulses come from. And that's what we need to innovate with, plus with diversity. You know, we talk a lot about diversity right now, but what it comes from is in nature. You know, um, if a potato doesn't work in this particular environment, it has too much water or the soil isn't right or something. Nature has 20 other potatoes that might work in that environment, you know? And so it, when we talk about religions, I wouldn't want everybody on earth to be a Satanist. That would be very sad and very um, boring. <laughs> I, I love to hear people's stories that are in the context of other religions or other philosophies. I love to see, eat food that's from other cultures and just taste and, and hear, hear the tales that people tell, that mothers tell their babies, you know, when they're, when they're telling them stories at night when to go to sleep or songs that you sing to your children that Maybe they never became popular songs, but when you're singing to your children or when you're singing to a loved one, there may be something that comes up that you haven't thought of that you that you learned from your mother or you learned from your grandmother or your dad or your or your grandfather that's never been on the radio, but it was passed down from generation to generation within your particular culture. That's magic, you know? And like the doctor said, when you're when you're singing that song or playing that song at that particular moment, you may be the only person on this earth that is playing that song or singing that song at this particular time. And that's magic. And then he said, you know, just imagine, just pretend if there were any energies out there that, that are kind of drifting around, what if they saw this sweet little, little bug, this little shiny bit of human that was that was singing this and it was a beautiful song that they liked and why wouldn't they pay attention to that you know not doing what everybody else does just just be creative and be driven for yourself you know it's wonderful that's that's the strength of humans absolutely yeah and yeah. that's another thing that you talk about i think in the film as well um into the devil's den film about how Anton LaVey in the Satanic Bible in 1969 talked about like asexuality, bisexuality, homosexuality, transsexuality, all being yeah. celebrated, not just like right. tolerated and how that was yeah. like foundational to the scripture. And that's yeah. really amazing. Yeah, yeah, from the, from the very outset, you know, he, he always has enjoyed people the variety of humans, you know, and especially uh, things that other people would consider quirky, uh, people with various little obsessions, or, you know, someone who expresses their sexuality in some bold and revealing and exciting way. Um, this is, this is, these add to our life, you know, and why not let someone uh, encourage someone, not let someone, you don't need my permission to be who you are. You know, his point was, just unfold yourself, you know, and when he would counsel people, 
he would get people that maybe they were, um, they enjoyed wearing women's underwear or something. And he'd say, get the shiniest, silkiest red underwear you possibly can find and wear it under your suit. If you want to be, uh, and practice uh, SM with someone, don't, don't go into a bar and get drunk off your ass and so that you can find someone to beat you up and go up, act obnoxious so you can get beat up. Go find someone who will enjoy indulging that for you, you know, create a symbiosis where, where everybody can be happy, everybody can acknowledge what they find pleasure in. And that's, that seems like a number one easy thing for, for humans to be able to do is just not judge people and not um, oppress other people. And it's, it largely is because, and that's one reason why he hated Judeo-Christianity so much is that it causes this oppression, it causes ignorance, it imposes um, hypocrisy on, on people from the time they're little children, and it saddles you with a perspective that doesn't allow you to look at people or events in any kind of open way, but immediately clouds your mind with a veil of a filter of um, oppression and irrationality and 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 judgment um and he he wanted to work his entire life against that and uh and he did he did yeah i don't think anything that says that it's the only way is good right. for human for human consciousness and psychology because if if your way is the only right way then that means yeah. everyone else's way is not and that mm -hmm. automatically feeds into what you're talking about before of like othering and thinking you're better and negating and then being aggressive towards everyone else if you think you're the yeah. and especially if it's with like a you're aligned with god you know that's that's very dangerous i feel for people yeah it is it's very very dangerous and he saw it as very dangerous um and we're seeing we're seeing it all around the world you know and and uh any religion as you say or anyone and again that's that's one of the advantages and i hate to keep going back to this but with satanism because um we don't say we have all the answers we've never anton levey never wrote the satanic bible as a revelation from satan he never said that he was in touch with anything other than himself and common sense you know he never said i am the light the truth and the way and the only way for everybody within satanism he tried to encourage people to express their own however they want to express it you know there are very simple tenets that we have that can be expressed basically in the nine satanic statements there they've been a little bit uh expounded upon within his lifetime but there's been no change there's no reason to change or alter or redefine anything that he said because it makes perfect sense and there's so much to explore within that context that there's no need but he never he never dictated to people. He, he reveled, quite the contrary. He reveled in, in people expressing themselves completely. And within the ritual chamber, you know, you talk about uh, creating your own total environment. He would love that uh, people have done so much with VR and that there are so many options open to us as far as method of dress or uh, the environment you want to, the, the way you want to style your home uh, and, and they're so 
there's so many options available. If you're really into technology, you can you can make a little home like that's that's like Frankenstein's uh, workshop or something, you know, with the with Tesla coils and 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 Jacob's ladders and and uh, all kinds of knobs and 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 uh, metal and and vacuum tubes and you can do that you know you can make it look sort of steampunk and fun and and if you're into gothic stuff you can go in that direction if you're you know into 50s 40s you can you can completely live in that world and um i i credit i do i credit uh the conversations that he had with the right people with the right young people who have now gone on to start their own companies and who are making these products and and making these things available for us to to enjoy yeah, I think that that's what I, I told Carl. I want to write a paper about Satanism and psychoanalysis because I see mm. similarities in these ways where it's more like, it's not like I have the answers, but it's more like I've been through this process and it kind of found the way, the ways I like to enjoy and kind of work in my life. And then mm -hmm. it's about just inspiring other people to, to, find the answers within themselves and figure out what they want for themselves rather than like telling people what to do. It's more like just supporting right. them in them figuring out what they want to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what it's all about. And I love that. And again, through the book, doing interviews with people, sending out surveys to people again, who have practiced Satanism for, you know, several decades now, um, that they totally understand that, that they get that and that they are doing it in their lives, that they don't have to dictate, well, you have to be a Gothic Satanist or not, you're, you're not a real Satanist. You know, if you want to be a carny Satanist, if you want to be a, you know, a 50 Satanist, I, I see people being so distinctive and, and bringing forth, as you say, this creative force within themselves and just being, being spontaneous and, and going in one direction for a while and then going in another direction for a while. And, and just, it's, it's such, a, such a wide buffet. You know, we have, we are so lucky. I, can, I consider myself very lucky every day to, to, I walk to the ocean and I walk among the plants and I, I say hi to the dogs that I pass. And, and I just, I feel I'm so lucky to be here, to be breathing, to be exulting in in the energy and the life i have yeah this amazing magical planet that's the yeah. other thing with um theologies that say that like we're separate from the earth or like somehow better or we're supposed to transcend the earth it's like the earth is amazing yeah. <laughs> why is everyone yeah. shitting on the earth and i don't think if i think if we didn't have that mindset we would be treating the earth much better than we have been and that's something you talk about in the book too is seeing the satanic way of being as being more helpful for like sustaining life on the planet and helping us have a better future yeah understanding to understand magic um traditionally is to work with nature it was always the witches and the soothsayers the shaman that were dangerous because they spoke to the wind and they, you know, interacted with the animals and the snakes and the bats and, and the black cats and, you know, and um, that's where we learn when we learn magic, we learn, okay, there's this interconnection and how do you, you know, make things happen 
You make it happen by working, by integrating with these systems and, and loving the earth. And, and I'm afraid that that's one thing that I, that I recognized when I was young and examining different philosophies. Um, I saw Christianity, unfortunately, with promises of heaven, uh, promises of an afterlife, promises of, yeah, we're not really paying attention to what's going on here because the real important business that I, I want to get to heaven. And so I'm not really connected to materialism. Materialism is bad. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it will take you away from the true path of spiritual enlightenment. And as you're saying, that's very dangerous to feel that separation. And when you feel that separation, you feel no, no responsibility for, for, the, for the animals that are here, for the lives that, that we influence and for the wonderful earth that we have. Um, so that's a beef that Anton LaVey and I think a lot of Satanists have with spiritual religions is um, that, that separation causes a, a big gap and a big excuse to not get your hands dirty in all senses of the word, you know? Yeah, and thinking about it that way too, it's like when you tell people, like like you said, that one of the points in Satanism is uh, indulgence over abstinism, right? Abstinence. Um, mm -hmm. And when you think of it that way, like this way of thinking, telling people that they should abstain so that they can enjoy themselves after death is actually robbing people of their life and, and as far as we know, our only life is like you're robbing people of their only life for this promise of something after death. And that's really, really sad, actually. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, they talk about uh, Pascal's gambit, you know, being that, well, I'm not sure exactly what happens. And uh, so to be on the safe side, I'd rather follow Christian dictates. I'd rather stick close to God and the commandments as they're presented to me, because, you know, just in case there might be uh, an afterlife or heaven and I'll be called to judgment, I'd better, I'd better stick to that. And my attitude is absolutely not. By doing that, you're giving up your rationality, you're, you're, you're seeping in ignorance and judgment, and uh, you're missing out on so much happiness and fun here on earth, why in the world? That is not an equation that, that I would in any way want to participate in. I don't want to risk losing the mere blink of an eye that we have on this planet, which it truly is, uh, with you know some promise of some ridiculous afterlife, which you have absolutely no proof of. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. Should we say a little bit more about the satanic statements? Um, we can, uh, if if you'd like. Um, I think they're they're pretty clear. Like I say, I'll I'll have to consult the book um, <laughs> because they are they're all neatly in the appendices. Uh, appendix one is essential Satanism, and uh, just so that we're all on the same page. I will share them. Uh, Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. Uh, that's pretty clear. And again, you know, it's not possible to misunderstand any of these. Dr. LeVay wanted his philosophy to be as clear as possible. 
uh, Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams, which we were just talking about. You know, don't don't miss out on what's going on around you. Uh, just thinking about you know some pie in the sky that may or may not ever happen. Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. Well, again, very pertinent to what's going on <laughs> in the world today. Uh, Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. I think that makes perfect sense. You, you are kind to those who are kind to you. Um, and people who are unkind and cruel in general, if they're unkind to you, it's very likely that they might be unkind to other people and they should be called on it uh, as a responsible citizen of the earth. Um, they should be held to account for that so that someone who's not as strong as you are uh, might be bullied or hurt and uh, they may not be able to, to um, stand up for themselves. So uh, I think that I think that makes sense. And, and love wasted on ingrates gets to the chapter on psychic vampires. There's mm -hmm. no sense in, in feeding psychic vampires. And we know there are plenty of them out there. That's a good and, point uh, too, that you mentioned that in the book as well, that people don't realize that that term came from LeVay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's so perfectly represents exactly some, so many people that we've known in our lives. And, and I think the wise Satanist immediately runs in the opposite direction. You know, we don't, we don't feel like any, any uh, uh, politeness about just zip, turn on your heels, run away. <laughs> uh, number five, Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. Again, I think that's part of the social contract um, because people who are, who are unkind are, are cruel to you. It's very likely that this is a habit they have in their lives. And uh, you have to sort of at least, you know, in, in your ritual chamber, if nowhere else, um, for your own sake, can't bottle it in. You have to call people uh, on, their, on, on what they're doing and wake them up, you know, smack them around the, the head and face and over the head if you have to a little bit to wake them up to this is inappropriate behavior. That's what, you know, chimpanzees in a troop do that someone who acts inappropriately or cruelly will get bitten and beaten and exiled. And um, I think our, if our primate brothers do that, I, I, I think it's fair for us. Uh, six, Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. Again, uh, yeah, if you're doing well, if you're doing the right thing, if you're working hard, uh, you should be adequately rewarded and encouraged. And it's not, you know, again, this is some people pick up the Satanic Bible and they say, well, they shrug and say, well, this is just common sense. I don't know why someone wrote a book like this because everybody should know this. Well, apparently everybody does not know this. Um, judging by a lot of the people that you see in the news and their actions and the people around you that you encounter. So responsibility to the responsible is fairly straightforward. If you're in a position to help someone who is being responsible and hardworking and kind and fruitful and creative, that should be rewarded. I like number seven. That's one, this is one of the things that brought me to Satanism. Satan represents man as just another animal, sometimes better, more often worse than those that walk on all fours. 
who because of his quote, divine spiritual and intellectual development, unquote, has become the most vicious animal of all. And I saw that as a 10 year old child, I saw that. And when I was casting around to uh, see if there was a spiritual, you know, you're compelled for reflection between the ages of maybe 10 and 14, you're looking for some context uh, to place your spiritual, your, your poetic, your however we want to phrase it, your religious needs, ceremonial needs. And um, I looked into a lot of other philosophies and I didn't see them articulate the feelings for animals as clearly as, as this does. And that man is not some evolved intellectual spiritual being, as you say, you know, we can't set ourselves above other animals. We're, you know, 98% banana or something, you know, we're, we're pretty much a very much a part of this earth and of each other. So uh, we are just another animal. And, and I'm glad to have a religion offered to me that acknowledges and, and uh, revels in that. Yeah, and like Peggy says, most animals don't destroy their habitat. <laughs> right, exactly. If you go by those rules, you know, by animal rules, yeah, we're, we're sorely lacking uh, because of our spiritual and intellectual development, apparently. Uh, number eight, Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, and emotional gratification. And that's true. You know, I, I think everything, a lot of things that are presented as sins uh, are lots of fun. Fun, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, fun. Okay. <laughs> as long as you're not hurting someone else, you know, that's that's the whole point of breathing is to, you know, to avoid pain, to seek out pleasure and uh, to be efficient. That's, that's as life is defined is, um, and I don't think that's a high bar. We should, we should be able to do that and manage some creativity along with that, you know, some grand buildings and, and uh, works of art. And number nine, of course, Satan has the, been the best friend the church has ever had as he has kept it in business all these years. <laughs> which is a, a funny glib way and an accurate way of saying that you know the othering and creating uh evil versus good and always breaking things down to um we're the good guys they're the bad guys um is maybe maybe it helps your business uh and maybe it's a, a simplistic way of presenting a philosophy if you want people to take up arms and and point them at other people uh, but it's all too easy to start dehumanizing and, and demonizing people when you have that us versus them philosophy hardwired in your in your religion or your or your your um, way of thinking from the time you're a kid, you know. So that's dangerous. And and again, I I think Satanism is a, a driving force behind uh, the progression that humans are are experiencing with uh, understanding how people can so easily being manipulated. And um, so I think grounding yourself in Satanism makes a great deal of sense. It, and um, I've never had to, as I say in the book, there's never been a point, I've been a Satanist for, gosh, I don't know how long now, going on 50 years, I think. Is that right? Well, 45. Um, yeah, 45 years at least. Um, never once have I had to 
turn to another philosophy. You know, I've never said, oh, this is too hard for me. You know, uh, I wish I were a Pentecostal. You know, I, 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 I've never had to compromise my philosophy or say, well, Satanism really doesn't address this. So I don't know what to do with this. Um, no, it's been there every step of the way with me through, you know, challenges, surprises, uh, upheaval, satisfaction, uh, revels um, on all ends of the spectrum, both ends of the spectrum and everywhere in between. It's, um, it served me very well. So I'm, I'm very glad that I discovered it when I was so young and, and uh, that other people have too. And you'll read about them in this book and how it's unfolded and encouraged them in their lives. Um, you know, Carl's a perfect example of that. Um, and I'm glad that you found sustenance and inspiration there too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I was just thinking, like, even though it's a collective of individuals, you know, that have everybody has their own thing. It's like the nicest people I've ever met and so thoughtful <laughs> and well-considered and like, you know, thinking, thinking for themselves. And also like you talked through the book, the whole history is like, clearly you found a lot of support too, when you were going through these different stages and like after the doctor passed and things like that, and you're still good friends, you know, it's like a yeah. real tight crew. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there was a, there was a, a funny thing that I not sure I put it in the book, actually, after one of our gatherings for uh, the 50th anniversary of the founding of the organization, we had, you know, some some gatherings, which are rare for us. Um, but it was a big celebration. And, and we held it at this, uh, this uh, location where there was a bar and there was a, a venue for us to sort of share various um, um, sort of a symposium and there were waiters bringing us food and and the people at the bar of course and afterwards in late in the evening uh we were kind of talking to some of the people that were still lingering the waiters and the bar the the people behind the bar and everything and and we said you know well what did you think when you started because i don't think they were entirely prepared for a group of satanists to be there um and uh, what did you think when we started talking about our philosophy and giving presentations on what we're doing and they said well we were kind of startled at first um but uh then uh, the more we heard uh the more we felt uh, you know you guys seem really nice and seem to make a lot of sense and we seem very creative and driven and committed and and uh he said the thing we liked about you is you didn't make a mess uh you didn't start any fights and you were really good tippers <laughs> <laughs> so important. I, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good endorsement from people that were completely unprepared to to uh, interact with us at all. So I think that's fine. <laughs> if that's if that's as far as it goes as someone understanding what a Satanist is, I think that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's the thing, too. I mean, like my my best friend, Caitlin, is a tarot card reader. And, you know, I always have people talking about chaos magic and that kind of thing. But then, you know, somebody recently said, like, oh, I knew you were into like witchcraft and magic and stuff. But like, what what's this thing with Satanism? And, and I just think, like, what is, what do you think that means? You know, and mm -hmm. you said that in the film, too. It's like people are so kind of 
there's it's so loaded this word satan is such a loaded term that people have this like knee-jerk reaction without actually thinking about like what do you like what do you think that means and then mm-hmm. and then like if if you're having that reaction to that word think of all the other kind of words that you're having these like trigger reactions to that you're defensively reacting to without even really thinking about why right right exactly and that's exactly why anton LaVey called it satanism the church of satan and he says that in the satanic bible you know people even then in 1969 when the satanic bible came out people were saying well you know anton i really like what you're saying makes a lot of sense but you know do you have to call it you know satanism you know why don't you like call it humanism or superhumanism or something a little bit more palatable and um his response was exactly the the right one that's why i call it satanism that's why it's the satanic bible because if if you can't get past that word uh then you really have to examine how you're being acculturated or prejudiced against things that you don't even realize you are you know there are there are threads of of stuff in your life that you're responding to and i i still have to i mean to this day there are things that I continually examine. You know, what am I responding to? What does this mean to me? How am I knee-jerk reacting to something just because uh, I've heard this, that, or the other thing? I roll up my sleeves. I do my own research. I say, okay. And usually I can see a context in which the the, the speaker or the philosophy or the attitude is, is coming, uh, or the context in which they're being expressed. Sometimes... Sometimes it, it's challenging uh, because there's a whole load of, um, like for example, I'm I'm not on social media, and sometimes I don't understand jokes or I don't understand allusions because something that's been so uh, ever present, uh, some sort of trope or some sort of depiction of X Y Z, I have not been privy to. Uh, so there's a whole load of of information that I'm supposed to be reacting to that I don't react to because I'm innocent because I I just haven't been exposed to that and I I think Dr. LeVay kind of purposely kept himself innocent in a lot of ways we we watched old movies we didn't watch the news we we didn't watch politics we didn't plug into mainstream society because I think as an artist his impulse was that I can have a better perspective on things if I'm a little bit outside of it you know so that so that the people that are being inculcated in something um, they they're working from things that everybody else knows but as an artist it's important to kind of keep yourself a little bit separate yeah it's important to be engaged and I'm certainly politically engaged in certain uh, animal rights, environmental or animal rights issues that, that are important to me. But I try to keep myself sort of separate. And I think that's, that's long before Anton LaVey, there's a, a strain of artists uh, who, through necessity, they're very obsessed and uh, lost in their own art, poets, composers, painters. Um, so inevitably, they are separate from the mainstream because they're just so driven by their own vision. Uh, but also I think it's important, especially in, in this day of overwhelming uh, social media presence and, uh, and information overload in many ways to allow yourself some distance so that you can hear your own 
thoughts, your own voice, your own vision come forward, uh, not not tainted necessarily or influenced by by the mainstream or, or by other voices. Yeah, actually, when I was reading the book last week, um, and he said that turn off the television. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was going through a thing where I was like too engaged online. And I was like, mm-hmm. just turn it off. <laughs> so I like yeah. needed to yeah. hear that at that moment. I was like, thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, Dr. LeVay, of course, was gone uh, in 1997, before the burgeoning of, you know, the ever presence of phones and internet and social media in our lives now but his context was television you know and he saw that as the new god you know that people pray to it they have their little bibles you know the tv guide and um he saw it as very harmful to get to get brainwashed by by the tube um and again he wasn't alone in that but he certainly emphasized i think that that for for reflection and and perspective uh, you don't want to to be engaged in that and yeah even more more so now for sure yeah and i know i don't want to take up too much more of your time but i do want to make sure we mention artificial human companion because that ties in with the whole morbid anatomy series that you're a part of and also i just feel like you're such a pioneer of that and it's such a big thing now that we have to like give a nod yes (laughs) yes and it certainly has Oh, wouldn't the doctor be pleased, you know, with um, with the way that that robotics certainly has taken off, VR has taken off, uh, sex dolls and and interplay with um, sexuality uh, through robotic means or or virtual means. Um, yeah, it's it's very exciting that that has been, and I I look forward someday to his sculptures being available for people because you know the people that have that have made sculptures very much like what he was doing so long ago have now made names for themselves and are, are hailed as innovators. And of course we know that Anton LaVey was doing that in the, in the 50s, 60s, long, long before a lot of these people were even born. But uh, yeah, the artificial human companions goes hand in hand with creating your total environment. And I just love that people have embraced that uh, in the mainstream. They see the advantages of, uh, of artificial companions. And, and, you know, I mean, here, here it is right here, you know, <laughs> this is our, these are our virtual friends and, and, our, uh, and the fact that we can now have friendships and, you know, sexual partners, I suppose, from around the world. You know, you can interact in, in whatever way you, you want or feel comfortable uh, and it shows the, the, the value of human imagination and, and how much we can do with that. But yeah, he's, that's robotics, robotic cars. That would be very exciting. People ask me a lot of times, well, what do you think Anton LaVey would think about X, Y, or, you know, whatever. And, uh, he'd just be fascinated. He'd be thrilled and fascinated by all the innovations, uh, as far as, uh, that that element goes for sure the rest of it you know the social um fractiousness and uh the willingness to be hypnotized as as a group um would be very distressing i know but you know humans are humans and uh they 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 continue to to perplex and and uh inspire you know, they, they're, they're, I, I love that, um, 
one thing that the internet has brought, I think, again, I get back to animal rights and interaction. I think there's much more of a push toward conservation and uh, a willingness for people to go out on limb, sometimes quite literally or into a hole to help like a trapped elephant or to help a, a tiger in distress or, or a, a, a chimpanzee that's, or a kitten that's, that's trapped in a, in a well or a gutter or something. I think because the, the eyes of the world are on us, on each other, we see that, that we can act um, with humanity, uh, with grace, with, um, with uh, a sense of responsibility to other creatures uh, around us. And I love that aspect of it. And then people post it and, and then the whole world says, yay. And, and, uh, and that's a lovely thing, you know? Absolutely. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to be sure to mention that we didn't get to? Hmm. I don't know. I, I think, uh, I think we've, we've said uh, a lot of fun stuff and hopefully there'll be more for people to explore. Um, we didn't really get into, uh, the, the church of Satan as an organization and, um, how much I value, uh, Peter Gilmore and Peggy Nadramia's vision persistence and wisdom in the way that they have um, guided us since 2001, 2002. And, um, you know, they've, they've done amazing things with the organization. She, they've been able to uh, put their imprimatur on it, but uh, because they knew Dr. LeVay so well, had spent so much time with him, and uh, they, they see his total vision so well the carny aspects, the creative aspects, the musical aspects, and they are both so so intelligent and articulate um, that I, it's just, we are very, very lucky to have them as leaders of this organization right now. That's for sure. Yeah, they're fantastic. And um, even though the original Black House was sadly torn down in 2001, right? Um, yeah. Thankfully, Peter and Peggy have a beautiful new Black House um, yes. And it's such a wonder world. I, it's it is. so wonderful in there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, they're they're very, uh, very wonderful people. Excellent. Yeah, I had the good fortune to get to spend Halloween there. I think it was in 2017, uh -huh. 18, 2018. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, Halloween at the Black House <laughs> is fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they are so they are so generous with their with their time. It is not an easy job at all. Um, I can't imagine and, the shit they have to put up with <laughs> people, people, yeah. people's questions and stuff that are just like so uninformed. Yeah, I couldn't yeah, but do they that. Really, they, they <laughs> yeah, they have a lot of patience um, and they both have, you know, they're driven creatively, both of them, and they they really do take their role as um, nurturers, you know, gardeners very seriously or conductors, you know, in the case of the maestro, um, taking this part of the orchestra or weeding out that part of the garden. Um, I think both of those metaphors are, are very apt uh, because it's, it's not a philosophy. We don't depend on numbers, you know, and if you don't get it, it's better that you're not involved. And um, they make that very clear. We don't, we don't ask for, you know, monthly donations. We are not dependent on building on your money and your donations to, to do outreach in Africa or, 
or uh, you know build big big cathedrals. Uh, the philosophy is there. If you want to join the organization to support the philosophy and keep it going, so that we can keep it in the way that Dr. Levey keep it pure, the way that Dr. Levey proposed it. Um, and that's one thing I would I would want to say too. Well, you, you know, I'll talk for another five hours. But um, <laughs> the the um, the reason that the Church of Satan exists is um, is a is because it is so easily misunderstood. It purposely and and just innocently, as you say, what does that mean when you say you're Satan's? What does that mean? Well, that's why the Church of Satan exists, and that's why we are so insistent on the Church of Satan being the defining and only satanic organization because it's so easy for people to say, well, no, it's this, or Anton LaVey really wanted it to be that, or, oh, you guys are, you know, not taking it in the direction it's supposed to be going in. No, you know, for as long as we breathe, uh, and hopefully for, you know, several hundred years past that, if we continue this, this path, um, we need people to understand the entirety of what Anton LaVey did, said, and intended uh, from people who, who really get it. And that's why the organization has to stand so that people who come behind us in the future uh, will have a place that will be advocates for their eccentricities, for their creativity, for their, uh, their uniqueness and their crazy theories and their, um, their freakishness, you know, uh, and support that. Um, and, and that's what, that's what the church of Satan does. And that's what Peter and Peggy have insisted on. And we don't need your body. Uh, if you don't, don't agree with what we're doing or how we're running the organization, you know, don't let the screen door hit you on the way out. Um, we'd rather have it. And Dr. LaVey set this course for us. We'd rather have it, uh, pure and as intended rather than compromised by, people who truly don't understand the entirety of it you know man like you said satanists are not evangelists not trying right. to go around converting yeah. people <laughs> right right if if it matters to you if it's something that you're drawn to you will find us you'll find us and also the separation of church and state that's also a very important feature yes exactly yeah we we don't we don't believe in, you know, evangelizing or parading our philosophy down in the public square. Uh, we're not going to hand out pamphlets to you at, you know, six o'clock in the morning pounding on your door on a Saturday. You know, uh, it's very important that that the the powers, the political powers, are separate from the religious or spiritual aspects. Because when you start dictating and engaging that kind of uh, aspect, then you can create a fearful populace so that, you know, in the old days, the king was speaking directly to God. The, the ruler of the tribe was in concert with the, with the shaman. And if you did something wrong, you weren't going to just get punished, you know, on this plane, but you, you are going to be punished in some terrible spiritual way that that transgression will call down upon you. And that's the danger of when, when the Pope and the King are in cahoots with each other, because then you, you cannot, you, 
you rule with an iron fist and you cannot get out from under um, the king's rule. Um, so, and, and things can become very murky uh, about, well, religious observance, Sharia law uh, linked with political power. Uh, that's where people get bloodied and executed, uh, whether it's in, in Salem, you know, in the 1600s or, or you know, in, in the Middle East today. You can't, you can't have that uh, interaction. So that's why the founding fathers, they saw that very clearly. And they, they wanted the separation of church and state to be absolutely sacrosanct. So, you know, I understand the impulse to use Satanism to kind of drive a wedge in there and get people unsnarled with, um, with certain ways that Christianity has, has gotten into our uh, political process. But to uh, do it through any religious means is a mistake. Cool. Well, if people want to learn more, they should get the book, We Are Satanists, also available as an ebook. And yes. follow Church of Satan on Twitter <laughs> by my recommendation. <laughs> and then you're giving a talk on death imagery, Satanism as part of the Morbid Anatomy, Psychoanalysis, Art, and the Occult series on September 26th. Yes, I'm very excited about that. I think there's a lot of overlap. Uh, and I actually found that where Dr. LeVay himself, there was a wonderful quote in this book uh, about uh, death imagery and Satanism and uh, what that means for us and how we use it. And so I'm, I'm very excited writing this and I, I'm looking forward to presenting it. Yeah, I saw that and, and how it's like, it's because we value life so much. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So yeah, we're going to explore all that together. That'll be fun. Perfect. Thank you for listening to Rendering Unconscious. You've just heard a discussion with Blanche Barton. Join us for her talk at Morbid Anatomy Online, Sunday, September 26th. She'll be presenting Dancing in the Graveyard, Death Imagery in Satanism, alongside Carl Abrahamson presenting Memento Mori Forever. Visit psychartcult.org for more information and links, or go directly to morbidanatomy.org slash events to register. Be sure to check out Carl's film, Anton LaVey, Into the Devil's Den. Additionally, the book, Anton LaVey and the Church of Satan, is available for pre-order. It will be coming out in February 2022. You can also follow the Church of Satan online at churchofsatan.com and follow their Twitter at Church of Satan. And be sure to check out Blanche Barton's book, We Are Satanists, as well as her biography of Anton LaVey, The Secret Light of a Satanist. Links to everything can be found in the text accompanying this episode.
You can visit my website, drvanessasinclair.net, or the podcast main website, renderingunconscious.org, for links and more information. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at rawsin underscore. That's R-A-W-S-I-N underscore. You can support the podcast at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Vanessa 23 Carl. That's V-A-N-E-S-S-A 2-3 C-A-R-L. Your support is very appreciated. Thank you so much for supporting Rendering Unconscious Podcast and all of my other creative endeavors. And now, the song, Nothing Can Stop It Now. From the album, The Chapel is Empty, a collaboration I did with Acoustic Timber Frequency, which features a letter written to Carl Abrahamson from Anton LaVey in 1988. Enjoy. Dear Carl, Dear Carl, I am honored that you have chosen me as a part of your inspiration, and Jane would be more than pleased. It is through ongoing creations like yours that she lives on. Thanks to magical lights like Genesis, more pioneers like yourself are coming forth to shake up the rest of the world. There's a new wave, a second emergence of that which began in 1966. And nothing must stop it now. Truly, their apocalypse is right underneath their noses, and they don't know it.
She wanted to remember more than she actually did or could, and 
Between, between, 